I would like to thank you for your recommendation of buying the Oculus Quest. Boy, this thing is insane. Yep. You've been playing any new stuff or just the, the, the hits? Uh, played some mini golf with you, obviously. Um, played that Echo VR game, which is uh, – you and I have brought up Ender's Game on the pod, you know, countless times. And uh, it, Echo VR is basically like the battle room in Ender's Game. And that's my been my favorite thing I've done so far. You fly around. It's kind of like a Frisbee basketball type game. I've, I've loved that. Yeah, it's cool. The The virtual reality zero gravity experience is kind of fun. I um, I can't take full credit for discovering that. I actually, so I, I had my in-laws over and they wanted to see the virtual reality. And my wife was like, oh, go download this international space station thing. Because like, you know, our in-laws love space. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of dumb. And then I loaded into it and I was like floating around the space station. I was like, this is actually very disorienting. And like, it makes you feel like, you know, like you got kind of the whole, yeah, it was, it was wild. And then you, you can like go out on like a virtual spacewalk and you're like, okay, cool. This is all chill. And then you like look down and it's like, oh shit, there's the earth <laughs> and I'm going to fall and I'm going to fall through the floor of my house into the earth. It's uh, it's pretty wild, man. It's yeah. pretty wild stuff. Yeah, VR is definitely like sometimes I kind of forget we're in the future and then I'm like, oh, I'm like playing a full virtual reality headset for a couple hundred bucks in my house. And like then I remember it's 2021 and that's uh, that's how it's been going. Yeah, man, the future is now. And I will say the big major benefit of it is like, you know, it, it really is uh even in its, uh, you know, rudimentary technological form, which is kind of where it's at now. I mean, obviously, the, the medium has yeah. a. It has some growing to do, sure. but, but it really is uh it's very, it's very transformative and transportive. Like even playing yep. miniature golf, you know, it'll, it'll take you away to a little tropical paradise for, you know, 45 minutes. It's, it's uh, it's very chill. So this is actually my third VR headset that I've owned. Um, I had the Google cardboard, which was free. They ship it to you and then you attach your phone to it. And uh-huh. it was very, you know, it, it's basically like the Nintendo, the first Nintendo version of this, where it's like the first technology that comes out like this. And then I got the Google, oh, I think Dream, which was a headset that also required your phone, but it was a little bit more tech savvy, a little bit more, you could like put a USB controller into it and play some stuff. And I really liked that, but it was still very elementary. And then I would say this is like the equivalent of like a PlayStation two or something where it's while it's still in its infancy, you can really like see the direction that it's going. It's, it's very exciting. And I can't imagine putting one of these things on and not being blown away by what you see. Yeah. And honestly, guys, like, listen, if you're going to complain about needing a Facebook account to use this, like hey, grow up, you know, like if you're getting banned from, <laughs> they've Facebook, got all your data, you can't, yeah. you can't play your $400 headset. Cause you, you posted something about, you posted like a shitty meme on Facebook or something like that. Like, hey, come on, get, get out of here. They already have all your information. You know, like I still use, I still use the website for Facebook on my phone. I like, I've never downloaded the Facebook app and it's like, right. why man? Like, I mean, honestly, they already have all my information. They've already stolen it. Mark Zuckerberg owns my life. You know, like it just, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. The theme of the week. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. We are back after a two-week break. We are brought to you, as always, by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. You can find me on Twitter at Real Burr Lawyer. You can find our sponsor on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And here with me, as always, in the depressing reality that is February 24th, 2021, my man, Taylor Witt, who can, you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, uh, we're back. Hello, Austin. We're here. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like riding a bike. You know, we did an episode once a week for a whole year. We took two weeks off and I felt like it's been, you know, forever. So uh, it's, it's good to be back. It was a necessary break for us. We're come back energized. This unfortunately is a little bit of a downer episode. We did not do an episode after the Super Bowl 
And we did not do an episode the week after the Super Bowl because things were real sad. And we're going to get into some sad stuff. We're going to start off with uh, the news. We're going to do a news segment, news, 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 etc. Because we don't want to start things off on a somber note. So this is sort of a variant of the psychological concepts of primacy and recency, which you're probably familiar with. Um, Sometimes you see this, uh, you know, like a compliment sandwich. Your HR person comes in and says, hey, you're doing a great job. By the way, you suck, but you're awesome. Uh, that is kind of what we're going to do here. We're going to start off with some news because news is interesting and fun. And then we're going to get into some, some dark stuff. Uh, first, we're going to go, we're going to kind of do like a, a, like a, a eulogy, like a funeral segment because a bunch of really important, cool people in the world of football passed away uh, in the last couple of weeks. And we just wanted to shout them out and kind of remember them. That was Chris Wessling of around the NFL uh, of course, Marty Schottenheimer, former coach of the Chiefs, and then Therese Paler, legendary journalist for the Kansas City Star, former Chiefs beat writer, and uh, former Yahoo NFL writer. Still um, doesn't feel real, man. It really doesn't. Um, and if you guys want to skip past that, that's totally fine. We just uh, we didn't feel right doing a podcast and not kind of talking about this stuff um, and kind of processing it, I guess, for lack of a better word. And then we're going to process something else that was horrible and happened which is the Chiefs getting destroyed in the Super Bowl. We're not going to go into a ton of detail, so don't worry about that. It's not going to be the whole podcast. Uh, Taylor is going to tweet the show notes for this segment uh, when he uploads this podcast. So you're going to see uh, what I've written in for the show notes. It's short. It's, I don't want to say it's not sweet. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, short. it's short. It's short. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl because we have to. We have to have closure, and then we're going to just move on. You know, sometimes things just sort of, end uh and then we're gonna end we're actually gonna end the show going back to the compliment sandwich idea we're gonna we're gonna end the show with a, a like a virtual baby shower for baby Mahomes. sterling mallory mahomes uh has joined the world this week and so we're gonna celebrate sterling we're gonna do a little virtual baby shower shindig taylor thought of this concept i've never actually been to a baby shower so we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes it's gonna be great just to correct something just because i know someone's gonna tweet you yes you know her real name is actually Sky and not Mallory. That was a Sterling Mallory Archer reference. Just to just to head that off at the pass there. Yeah, don't tweet me about that. I know the baby's real name. I just you know I'm 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 dropping some classic uh, Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom reference humor, and so we are moving on, which is the theme of this podcast. So let's start off, Taylor, with news, 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 news. news, news, news. news. So there's been some Chiefs news. Let's talk about that first. Uh, I mean, just in keeping with the the general theme of this podcast, which is, you know, dark shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're both surgeries. I'd say those are the two most major news items to come out of Chiefs Kingdom in the two weeks since the Super Bowl. First, Patrick Mahomes had surgery on his toe. We knew this was going to happen. We knew he had a, a pretty significant toe injury. It was somewhat evident in the playoffs and particularly in the Super Bowl. He had toe surgery. He's expected to make a full recovery. He's going to be ready to go in time for OTAs. If we have OTAs this year, he certainly will be ready in time for the season. But some new news dropped today, which kind of, I don't know if it was unexpected necessarily, but not something that we we knew was coming, which was Mitchell Schwartz, Chiefs right tackle, who obviously was out for the majority of the season with a back injury, finally did have back surgery. And so uh, his wife actually on Instagram shed a little bit of light on his situation, which we didn't get a whole lot of information about during the season. Yeah, I think that was the most interesting part was just that it had been basically since week six of Mitch being day to day with no information. And that's infuriating for a team that's, you know, vying for a Super Bowl and all that stuff, because you want to know if your all world right tackle will ever be back in time. And it turned out that he wasn't. And it turned out that that was incredibly costly. We'll obviously touch on that in a bit. But um, it was interesting just to kind of hear from Mitch. He had been, you know, tweeting about the team, but he had not been tweeting about himself or his health or any of that stuff. And so he said, I had, I was hoping to get back in time. That didn't happen. So now he said, I expect to be healthy and back in time for 2021. And, you know, that's nothing but good news. If he can come back to, you know, even 90% of his former self, that'll be a huge win for the Chiefs. Yeah, and obviously that's a long ways away, and and we'll see. He's obviously he's over thirty now. A back injury for an offensive lineman. I mean, for any player, but especially for for a guy that's pushing and shoving up front uh, the entire game. That's not something to take lightly. But it was good news. I mean, you had people with frankly no knowledge of the medical situation 
you know, basically writing him off for good. Like he's going to retire. Sure. He's going to go do a cooking show. You know, like <laughs> this is the last we'll ever see of Mitchell Schwartz. You know, he ha- he went like nine years without missing a snap in the NFL or whatever it was. And now he's gone. Poof. He's poofed out of existence. Chiefs need to find two tackles for next year. It, it seems like there's a good chance that Mitchell Schwartz will be back in some capacity. Uh, obviously, the hope is that he will he'll be back to 100% and the Chiefs will have their all-world right tackle back and they only will have to worry about four other spots. On the <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the line a lot, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, next, it's, it's going to be a major theme. Yeah, yep, we're, sure. we're going to have to keep coming back to it. Uh, let's talk a little trade news. So, mm-hmm. The last time we did a podcast, which feels like a million years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, there had just been a pretty dramatic trade. Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford switched places. Goff went to the Detroit Lions. Stafford headed out west to the, I was about to say St. Louis, but the Los Angeles Rams. Since then, another quarterback has changed places. Uh, Carson Wentz going to the Indianapolis Colts. So moving from the NFC to the AFC uh, to a team that, was in the playoffs as the seventh seed this year uh, in Indianapolis and just kind of an interesting move. I mean, something that people kind of speculated was going to happen. He's obviously reunited with Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator in Philly uh, back in 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and when Wentz had by far his best year in the NFL. It's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting trade. What do you think about it from the Colts perspective, since they're kind of the team that, that now, you know, the Chiefs might see uh, down the road? Yeah, um, you know, you've got they they said goodbye to Philip Rivers, who was an interesting and serviceable quarterback in his old age. He definitely, you know, he got him to the playoffs. They weren't dominant by any means, but um, he was fine. And now they're replacing him with a guy that, you know, had one really good year a little bit ago and has been a huge disappointment ever since then. But you know, Philly's been kind of a mess and who knows how much of the Wentz situation was strictly on Wentz. His receivers had a lot of drops. They had a lot of just dysfunction there. So um, it, it's certainly intriguing as if you're a Colts fan right now, you're thinking like, okay, we can make this work. It's not the, it's not a splash move, but it's definitely um, a serviceable quarterback They They didn't draft anybody or get anybody young or whatever, you know, I mean, they're, they, it should be fine. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I think fine is the perfect way to describe it. I mean, I don't know, you know, obviously the Colts are hoping that, you know, he has some upside. He's obviously still young-ish. He's still yeah. in his 20s. Um, you know, he obviously has performed at a high level once before, although there have been some great articles written this offseason about his 2017 season and kind of how much of an outlier that was just with some of the peripheral stats that maybe weren't going to be repeatable anyway. Um, and then he's obviously been dealing with a bad situation in Philly. He certainly is in a much better situation now yeah. than he was his last year in Philadelphia last year. I mean, a much better offensive line. Pretty, pretty good weapons. Pretty good fine. weapons. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah, they're they're fine. I mean, certainly better than what he was working with in Philly, which which was a disaster. Um, and and being paired with Frank Reich too, who who obviously got the best out of him. So that'll be interesting. We'll just kind of see how it goes. It, it's it's domino number two in this okay. seemingly. You know, it, it's the 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 second domino sort of teetering into the third domino. We'll see what the third domino to fall is. It could be Taylor, Deshaun Watson, which is still going on. And I don't know how long this drama is going to go on. Supposedly, the latest on Deshaun Watson is that the Texans have received calls, but they're just not returning anybody's calls. That they think that yeah. Deshaun's request to be traded is all a big hoax it's a bluff it's fake news if we just <laughs> hang on to him if we just hang on to him everything is going to be fine yeah i don't think that strategy is going to work out for him i, <laughs> I don't think I, so either i feel that deshaun has made it very clear that his time playing for the houston texans is done and you know they there were some i don't know how confirmed they were but reports that he would accept trades to the jets the dolphins and boy there was one other team in there now i don't remember it uh but that he had said basically to whoever it is that he allows to leak stuff to Schefter that um you know there were some teams that are on his radar and i just don't see the texans getting another start out of him. They might refuse to trade him for way too long and they might shoot themselves in the foot and they might have to end up, you know, getting pennies on the dollar compared to selling at high value. That would be pretty peak Texans. But um, yeah, I, I just, it doesn't seem like the Watson 
saga is going to continue anymore in Houston. It was the Carolina Panthers. I had to Google Thank that you. because Thank you. they who, who they freed up a ton of money. They, they did. They have the number one uh, cap space right now. They cut a few guys and they now have like 39 million in cap space. So. Yeah. They're, they're kind of an interesting candidate. Uh, they don't have a, an outrageous amount of draft capital, like a team like Miami or even the jets would have, but uh, you know, David Tepper, big wall street guy, big, uh, you know, big, yeah. uh, big balls there, big balls. Um, the, the rumors have been circulating here in Denver and we've sort of been making fun of them to some degree. Um, a prominent beat writer for the Texans uh, went on a national show last week and said there was zero chance that Deshaun Watson was getting traded to Denver. So is that diehards, John McClain? It is. It's diehards. John McClain told uh, around the horns, Woody page <laughs> that uh, there was zero chance of that happening. So I don't know. I don't know about John McClain. Uh, obviously he was great and diehard. I'm not sure how credible uh, that reporting is, but he's pretty plugged in to the Texans. He's been a, a reporter for the Texans for literally like decades. So yeah. you got to think that if he says there's zero chance of it happening, there's zero chance of it happening, no matter what the odds, the bookies, the odds makers, listen, if, you know, FanDuel or whatever booking site is saying that the Broncos are the favorites to land Deshaun Watson, that just means they're trying to take money from Broncos fans. You know, mm -hmm. you guys are suckers. You're going to lose your money. You're not getting Deshaun Watson. Grow up, get over it. Going around the division, uh, there's a rumor floating around, which as of the time of recording on uh, Wednesday, the 24th, has not come to pass. But there is apparently a credible rumor that, meanwhile, in the desert, Las Vegas, the one and only Derek Carr may be getting a new contract. Woohoo! I, I saw a really funny Chargers fan account tweet that the headline fan? out. A Chargers, Chargers fan, fan account. The Chargers fan. Yeah, he runs a great, a great Twitter account because he wants everyone to know what it what it's like to be the Chargers fan. But sure. he tweeted that headline out with "Let's go!" Because <laughs> obviously, uh, Derek Carr getting extension is good news for everyone except for the people located in Las Vegas. I mean, it is a you know, listen. It, has he evolved and improved from the complete punchline that he was three or four years ago? Yeah, sure. he's he's fine. He's he's sure. getting better. We had to go on Raider Cody's podcast as guests, and you know, like not I don't want to say eat shit. Like we just <laughs> had to admit that Derek Carr is playing pretty good. We treated him better kinda, than Pat McAfee did. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, Raider Cody got <laughs> buried by Pat and McAfee, which I guess means you've made it. You know, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's getting buried by Pat McAfee. He's doing something right, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the Raiders, you know, if they sign Derek Carr, that's fine. You know, they're they're not going anywhere with Derek Carr, right? Like he's, he's still he's the not third elite... best quarterback in the division. Yeah, he's not an elite quarterback. He's still the third best quarterback in his own division. He's not getting any younger. I mean, the odds of him becoming better at this stage of his career are dramatically lower than the odds of him becoming much, much worse. And so yeah. it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you can't get a quarterback like that for cheap you know, in the form of a rookie contractor or, you know, veteran minimum contract, whatever it would be, don't pay for mediocrity. And that's what the Raiders seem to be interested in doing. So kudos to them. Thank you, John Gruden. You're doing a bang up job. <laughs> We're going to obviously talk about free agency a lot going forward. It's just a few weeks away. So as those rumors start to get hot and heavy, We'll be diving into that, but uh, any any early free agent news that strikes your fancy? Anything uh, anything titillating you at all? Well, the the player that I'm looking forward to the most, and possibly for a chief signing, I would really, really, really love Allen Robinson. I just think that that would fit the offense, and that would be a guy that. Um, would give the offense some juice and it would mean that they wouldn't have to bring back Sammy Watkins. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of a Rob and he's the one he's kind of the crown jewel of the free agency market for the chiefs. And, you know, other than him, there are a couple veteran defensive linemen, JJ Watt and Von Miller, I guess Miller's a linebacker, but same idea. Um, either of them would be a lot of fun. I don't particularly see JJ coming here, but I, I could definitely see Von Miller suiting up for the chiefs for sure yeah vaughn is dealing with some uh, some legal issues at the moment uh sure. which we'll cover in a future what podcast. chief isn't yeah if and when it comes to that uh and and we're just gonna have to head that off at the pass you know like as soon as the chiefs sign him 
mm-hmm. going to get charged with something. Broncos fans are going to pretend that this guy that is a beloved, yeah. you know, yeah. this, Mr. Bronco, their last Super Bowl MVP, they're just going to be like, oh, fuck this guy. He's washed up. Broncos just another got- trash chief signing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Broncos, Broncos let him go because we're classy organizations. Get, yeah. get out of here. Come on. Yeah. Get out of here. Uh, that would be super fun. Obviously, he'd have to uh, he'd have to work something out with his jersey number, which he obviously wears 58 in honor of yeah. Derek Thomas. And he's yeah. a huge Derek Thomas fan. Um, just like modeled this whole game after him it's it's kind of almost a little bit like when you listen to him talk about Derek thomas in interviews the way that kobe bryant sure. idolized michael jordan and That's just patterned great. his whole game after him you know like it would be cool it'd be cool to see von here assuming that you know he hasn't killed a guy or something like that <laughs> obviously how, there's limits on character concerns but <laughs> how cool would that be for von too i mean it's, yeah, a, it's a good fit he worships pat he talks about pat so glowingly and so you know in their pro bowl mic'd up he said i i want to play with or I, i'm excited to play with you or some sort of variation mm-hmm. of that and uh yeah you know i mean i think we would get a lot of use out of the here comes von miller audio clip um it would be it would be a lot of fun it would be great so we'll just keep an eye on that um i did see Either today or yesterday, uh, Pro Football Talk reported that uh, law enforcement has referred something to the DA's office down in, I think it's Arapahoe County, maybe that was handling that. Um, not something that I have access to, guys, yeah. so don't expect any insider information there. Not my jurisdiction. Uh, plus, I would get fired if I leaked yeah, anything. Yeah, tweeted so, out. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's just a lot of issues going on there, but we'll, we'll see what transpires there. It would be fun as long as he doesn't get in, you know, super, super hot water. Uh, it would be kind of fun to bring him to Kansas City for sure. <sighs> Deep breath. How do you, how do you transition here? You can't really, but we're just gonna plow ahead. So, um, so some some pretty uncool stuff that happened uh, around a very uncool Super Bowl, um, starting with the Saturday before the Super Bowl, it was announced that uh, Chris Wessling of Around the NFL podcast had passed away from cancer. And I kind of previewed all of this. We've, we've got three names to go through on the, the list. And I just wanted to, to bring this up because all three of these guys had uh, quite an impact on you and I. Um, so Chris Wessling, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, was um, one of the founding, you know, kind of members around the NFL podcast. Uh, great show. If you don't listen to it, I highly recommend that you check it out. Just very funny, informative uh, podcast. And um, he passed away following a second battle with cancer on, I think it was the Friday before the Super Bowl. And then it was announced to the public on Saturday. So that kind of I don't know. It was something where, um, you know, he had publicly announced on the podcast that that was something that he was going through again. And, um, you know, it it wasn't a huge shock in the sense that like, I mean, you know, somebody's fighting cancer. Sure. It happened at any time, but uh, he leaves behind a a young child. Uh, He just had a baby last year. Um, He just got married a couple of years ago, all stuff that was on the podcast. And I just wanted to, to say like, as a personal note, you know, you and I as podcasters, we obviously, we don't have anywhere near the audience that, that the around the NFL guys have, but something that I really enjoy as a podcast consumer is, you know, it's a medium that lets you kind of get to know the people that are doing the podcasting. I mean, it's, it's just more personal than something like television or radio where you kind of have the luxury of, of crafting the format uh, in such a way that, you know, it, it lets you get to know people on, a little bit more personal level. And that certainly was the case always with around the NFL and with Chris Wessling. Um, I, I, we had a personal brush with him um, mm-hmm. with this podcast. When we were starting it out uh, a year ago, we missed our anniversary during our break. Um, so happy anniversary, by the way. Right. Uh, but we, we had uh, the second or third week that we were doing the show. We, we made it big in Poland and <laughs> whatever. Shout out PKS. That's right. Polish chiefs fan. We still love you, buddy. Um, he put us on the map in Poland and whatever podcast metric we were looking at, we looked at it and we saw that we were the third, the third most downloads for any NFL podcast in Poland of all time. It was actually, I just think for that week, which we maybe didn't realize at the time. I think it said all time, but they just started gathering the data or something. Uh, That must've been what it was. Yeah. In any case, we, 
we went berserk over this obviously yeah. because you know we just started a podcast two weeks before that we're like man we're we're like the third best nfl podcast of all time and number two was a soccer podcast that just oh. was called football because mm-hmm. you know that's what they call it in europe whatever it's kind of weird okay that's fine so really we were number two behind around the nfl and so you sent out a tweet you know kind of kind of challenging the the around the nfl guys and tagged all of them in there and said yeah. you know like we're coming for that number one spot and chris wessling bless his heart with you know three hundred thousand twitter followers or whatever he had retweeted you which was just such a cool thing to do i mean like we're going to talk about this when we get into our therese segment but like it, it's just so cool when you have people that have that authority and influence like they're celebrities and they're mm-hmm. you know titans of the football industry just to slap a little retweet on there uh, certainly made our day. It, it did. It's it's my favorite Twitter re- interaction I've ever had. And it was just a very simple, you know, most people that have a crap ton of followers and stuff, they just don't interact with people. It's just not something that happens regularly other than the two people that we're going to be talking about who were very active on Twitter and just always had time for people. And Wes was definitely one of those. And it was just, it was really fun. We got likes or comments from all of the around the NFL people, um, including Ricky Hollywood. Um, and it was just, it, there are, there's such a family, you know, you can tell yeah. by the, by the reaction that they've had to this, that it's, it is not a coworker. I mean, this was an absolute member of the family that they lost. And by extension, all of the listeners feel the same way because they were just all so warm and so welcoming on their pod. And I don't know about you. I mean, I do, but um, their format is just very influential on the type of conversations and the type of interaction that you and I like to have on yeah. our pod, which is just, you know, it, it's, it's about having fun. It, it's about talking about the things that you would be talking about if the recording was turned off. And right. that's the stuff that they were great at. And particularly Chris was great at, I mean, he just was such a human being and it, it's a monumental loss. There's no other way to put it. He was just loved by everyone. And like you said, even though he was battling cancer, that type of loss is just a gut punch. I mean, it's just absolutely, uh, you just don't really kind of think about someone that you've never met personally as having that type of impact. Um, but boy, did he, I mean, that was, that was a tough one for sure. Yeah. And regrettably not the last gut punch no. of that five day stretch um, in there. Um, because then on it was Monday or Tuesday, I think it was Monday following the Super Bowl. Monday, uh, Monday, Monday morning uh, learned that Marty Schottenheimer, who it, it had been announced early in the week was in hospice care. So obviously was, was coming to the end, uh, had passed away um, from complications with Alzheimer's disease. Obviously Marty Schottenheimer, longtime coach of the chiefs from 1989 to 1998, uh, 10 seasons in Kansas city, a 101-58 and one regular season record and three division titles, seven playoff appearances, a trip to the AFC championship game in 1993. Um, I mean, just a, a, a another tough loss. I mean, I know, especially for you, I wasn't as much of a football fan growing up, but for so many listeners of this podcast and um, and certainly for you, you know, he's kind of like the first coach of the Chiefs that Absolutely. you remember. And- yeah, I mean, I was two when they hired him. So he most certainly, my first Chiefs memory was really 93 and I was six years old. And I mean, Marty was the coach until you know, until I was 11. So my whole childhood of growing up and, and worshiping the chiefs and going to Arrowhead and all that stuff. I mean, Marty was the chiefs and that was a, you know, that's a loss that 77 is um, even though it's not particularly young, it's also, it was too soon. And uh, Alzheimer's is something that uh, my family has some history with Alzheimer's and that one always hits really hard just on how it affects people. And um, yeah, the, the Marty loss was, was, really, really sad. And I thought it was best summed up by several um, famous chiefs that had some words um, about Marty afterwards. And so I'm just going to read those quotes real quick. Yeah. First, first is Bill Cower, of course, legendary Hall of Fame coach for the Steelers, but also spent a lot of time in Kansas City and um, under Marty Schottenheimer. And he said, it's hard to put into words what Marty Schottenheimer meant to me. I played for him. I coached for him. He mentored me in such at such a young age, he was an amazing coach, teacher, and leader. 
I will always be indebted to the guidance and support he gave me to his wife, Pat, and his children, Kristen and Brian. The NFL lost a legend, but the good Lord has gained a leader. Marty, you say there's a gleam, men. There is, and it was always you. And so that was that was great by Bill. And then, of course, uh, Chiefs long snapper and very prominent media member now, Tim Grunhard, on the local sports airwaves, he said... Marty was a true leader of men during good times and bad, both on the field and off. You knew Marty would be there for you. Marty believed in me even when I was a young pup from the South side of Chicago, trying to make a life in the NFL. He will always be in my heart and on my mind as I continue to take on the challenges of everyday life. And then of course, great linebacker for the chiefs, Donnie Edwards, who also played for him in San Diego later on in Marty's coaching career and Donnie's playing career. So he played in both Kansas city and there said Marty was like a father figure to me. He was a rare coach that had the ability to relate football to the game of life. One play at a time will continue to guide me forever in my life. And finally, this is a uh, personal acquaintance of mine. Bob Moore, one of my mom's friends is also the director of PR and the chief historian for the chiefs. And so he um, has been with the team since the eighties and always is a uh, good good perspective on the whole franchise. He said, it's been well said by the noted flyer, Beryl Markham, that if a man has any greatness in him, it comes to light, not in one flamboyant hour, but in the ledger of his daily work. Marty Schottenheimer had his share of flamboyant hours, but it was the ledger of his daily work as a coach and leader of men and in the quality and depth of those relationships that was long and honorable. The bottom line on what he meant to professional football and to the people he coached or worked with has now been written in an outpouring of sentiment that few men who coached anything could command. So I thought that was good perspective on Marty. He, everyone just, you know, he was one of the pillars of my childhood fandom of the chiefs for sure. And I don't care that he got a bunch of shit for Marty ball or any of the football related stuff. He was a great man and he'll be sorely missed by the football world. Yeah. I mean, and you know, he kind of was a product of his time, right? Like, I mean, you know, certainly that's how people coached in the, in the 1990s. And he, you know, with the exception of those couple seasons with Joe Montana I mean, the chiefs never really had, you know, I mean, what Marty was able to do with the idiots he had playing yeah. quarterback, Steve I Bono mean, and Steve I mean, DeBerg listen, and Elvis you know, Gerback, yeah. Yeah, not to disrespect <laughs> Chiefs legends like uh, Elvis Gerback, but I mean, come on. I, I mean, listen, uh, if I had those guys playing quarterback, I probably would also uh, play pretty conservatively. <laughs> Run on the ball all so, the time too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we can't give him uh, too much crap. And yeah, I mean, Marty just like, not just for the Chiefs, but of course he was a, a coach of the Browns before he came to the Chiefs, uh, a franchise that came really close, also made it to an AFC championship game and, and didn't make it to Super Bowl, And then, then went on to coach the chargers and, you know, another franchise that, I mean, three franchises that at the time he coached them even were long suffering and just yeah. couldn't get over the hump, but man, he was a great football coach. I mean, he's top 10 all time in wins. Uh, just, what can you say about the guy? I, I mean, he was a great coach and it is a great, a great loss for the football world for sure. Which brings us to the third person on our list, which man, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, Therese Paler passed away the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Um, and you want to talk about, I mean, just in the context of these three people, um, this one was just, it still is shocking to me. Yep. Um, just 37. I don't know that we've heard even really what happened to him just passed away unexpectedly. He'd just done, you know, the Yahoo podcast uh, the night before. Um, obviously, a lot of people in our realm um, connected to this podcast, people in Chiefs media and Chiefs Twitter and all that stuff. A lot of people who knew Therese personally and certainly interacted with him a lot more than we did have said so much about him. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot to add to that other than just to share, you know, kind of briefly my experiences with Therese, who I never met or, you know, talked to personally. But, um, he did follow me on Twitter, which was, uh, which was quite a thrill. I mean, this Bad was honor. probably, yeah, two, two plus years ago. Um, and I remember I texted you about it cause I was so, yeah. I was so geeked out about the whole thing. Um, and I was going back through my DMS, uh, when he started the Yahoo podcast with Charles Robinson, um, I was a pretty early listener of that podcast. I was a proud member of the Yahoo NFL podcast, all juice team, um, which was a great honor for me. Um, but I just was going back through like my DMS and like, he had just, he sent me a DM in June of 2019, just out of the blue, uh, to thank me for promoting the podcast. And you want to talk about, um, I mean, we talked about this with, 
with Chris Wessling too, but just guys that like that got it, man, that were just completely real. And, you know, I mean, he was a national NFL reporter and he would always take the time to respond to tweets and DMS. Uh, I had, uh, I had sent him a DM because we had exchanged a couple messages over the years. Um, the day that the Patrick Mahomes news was flying around our, our friend Katie Camlin, uh, you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting involved in the rumor mongering. And I had sent him a DM just kind of asking, Hey, have you heard anything on this? And he obviously, uh, was super busy and didn't get back to me, um, until after the news became official later that day. But he sent me a DM a couple days later and said like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I missed this uh, big news in chief's kingdom. He, he totally didn't have to do that. I mean, like he basically was apologizing to me, you know, yeah. for not, how many DMs do you DM. think were in his inbox? I, I, I can't imagine it. And I get like, I, whenever yeah. I see DMs in my inbox, if you DM me and I didn't respond to you, it's because I get like super bad anxiety about my DMs. I, <laughs> I, I like, you know, anybody could be in there and they could have said anything. It could be some psychopath, you know, like, but that's just who he was. And it just, it came across in the, the way that he wrote and in the way that yeah. he did his podcast and the way that he interacted with his fans on Twitter, like he just was such a real guy and it's just such a huge loss. Yeah. Devastating. I mean, it really is the, this was a, just the nicest, most genuine member of sports media that I had ever, if you would ask me to, you know, name the best person in sports media before that, I, w- I would have said him. I mean, it's just, yeah. he's, he was the king. He he did it all and he did it so well and he did it so lovingly and genuinely. And every word he spoke was or wrote was great. He was great. And it's just, I feel devastated, obviously, for Charles and for the people closest to him. Because if you and I feel this way about him and we had, oh, can't you imagine. know, I, I mean, he must have just been the, the son that everyone in his life orbited. It just wouldn't. Yeah. Just would have been really, really, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. It is. It is. And uh, I did want to say, I'm sure you guys have all seen it, but um, they did put together a scholarship in his honor at Howard University, his alma mater. So I'd encourage you all to contribute to that. And if you want to get something out of it, they they just launched an all juice team (laughs) t-shirt, which the proceeds go to the scholarship fund. So I ordered one of those. It's in the mail as we speak. Really looking forward to wearing that with pride. Uh, R.I.P. Therese, just a tough loss. Horrible. So we did get a mailbag question this week. Uh, we'll be soliciting some more of those as we get into off-season mode, but our guy, James McGregor, caca! <laughs> I, <laughs> it's fine. We're, we're, yeah. in a, we're in a song. That's a, that's a morning caca. caca. Yeah, caca. I feel that a Therese or a Marty slash Therese question is appropriate for the mailbag. So I thought on it, hypothetically, if both were alive and well, and the two of you could get together with them both at the same time for some casual drinks and conversation, what are some things you'd like to discuss or questions you'd like to bounce off of them? May they both rest in peace. You put a heart and a toasting beer emoji. Thank you for the question, James. Um, I kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but um, speaking to Therese, um, you know, he really like you, you felt like you, like I feel like I I knew, knew him, him in a way that this this news affected me um, really personally, um, and you know he just was uh, he just was such a down to earth guy in the podcast. I mean, like you know they used to do he and Charles would do segments in the off season where they would like roast football movies, <laughs> incredibly funny and just like normal you know non news related, just blown off steam. Um, and uh, the the times on the podcast when they answered. Uh, personal questions from the listeners we've got some listeners of this podcast uh zach the layman's terms and vitamin j both of whom i I know listen our show um as well as myself you know we were all juice yahoo listeners and um it was always really cool when they would you know shout us out and and answer our questions on the podcast um i remember i asked uh trez one time just to talk about detroit pizza on the podcast uh it was great man i mean it just was um his passion for everything that he did was just so evident and uh, it just would be cool to kind of talk about, you know, I mean, not even really football stuff, just, just life stuff, man. That's, that's what I would, that's what I would uh, like to have had the opportunity to do. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, there'd be so much that would be f- fun and interesting to pick Therese's brain on stuff like that. He was just such a smart dude and had so many well thought out, 
you know, feelings on things. He, yeah, he, he would have been about the best person you can share a drink with. Um, for Marty, you know, our, our age gap is pretty significant and I don't really, um, I, I was such a nineties chiefs fanatic fanatic as a kid that my, any, if I saw him, I would just squeal and just want to ask him about quite, you know, stories of Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and Joe Montana and Andre Risen, James Hasty, Marcus Allen, who, you know, just all the superstars in my childhood. I would love to know any behind the scenes sort of stuff with them from the um, time before the internet you know like exactly uh, we didn't yeah. have the exposure to those players that we have now there were no mic'd up segment or well, there i guess there were a couple but nfl films has been around i feel like before no TV. social media no but twitter exactly um and you know like he was the the arrowhead volume in the 90s i still feel like was higher than it is even when they broke the sound record like maybe it was just me being a kid and just feeling like it was just a hornet's nest in there. But I would love to ask him what it was like when that place was cranked up to the max. And, and I also was thinking about what the conversations with Lynn Elliott were like after he blew the game. Man, somehow in the midst of all this sorrow and tragedy, we had to bring up Lynn Elliott on top of all of that. I just, um, I just have to, I'm just going to take a second to apologize (laughs) To our listeners, I know this episode has been a real, real bummer, but hopefully next week will be better. Uh, For me, with Marty, I would ask him about John Elway. Of course (laughs) you would. Check that one off, uh, Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom bingo for this episode. Uh, I would just ask him to tell me about how much John Elway sucked and how they uh, were able to hold him to a... 28 to 35 TD to INT ratio when they played against them, even though he still had a winning record against us because we had the aforementioned bozos playing quarterback. Uh, but I would ask him about John Elway, just, uh, you know, let him, uh, let him talk some shit because, uh, you know, Marty, Marty was a nice guy, but he was also a shit talker. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's the whole reason why, the rivalry, so to speak, between the Chiefs and the Raiders exists because he fucking hated the Raiders. Yep. And the Raiders are totally irrelevant now. But and and but man, I mean Marty Schottenheimer was uh he seemed like a very nice guy, you know, a good Christian man, but mm-hmm. he had a lot of hate in his heart for the Chiefs rivals. And I he think was, that's just that's that's awesome. He it's was amazing. a hell of a football coach, and to be a hell of a football coach, you've got to have passion. And yeah, he probably didn't wish ill on the Raiders as people, but he certainly wanted to beat the shit out of them when he played them. I mean, that and that permeated through the fan base. I mean, that that yeah, it certainly you know, did. That ignited it for sure. It certainly did. Thank so, you, Trucker James. Appreciate the question, Trucker Chief. The Trucker Chief, yes, James McGregor, Bird of War, Cuckoo. We appreciate that question and uh, kind of giving us an opportunity to reminisce and remember uh these legends of the nfl may they all rest in peace uh we have to move on to something that is somehow almost more more unpleasant uh, which nah, is super bowl it's not more unpleasant it's not more unpleasant uh, which is actually a commentary on how horrible the days surrounding the super bowl were because yeah. this was very unpleasant uh we're going to talk about super bowl 55 we're not going to go through a play-by-play. If you want to skip this section, I will not hold it against you whatsoever. <laughs> but we have to talk about this briefly so that we can get some closure. I want to start with just to give the context of this whole shit sandwich of a weekend. Uh, we recorded our preview show on Wednesday, like we normally do. And then on Friday, after 5 o'clock, uh, it's never good when you're breaking news after 5 o'clock on a Friday. Mm-hmm. It came out that Britt Reed, Andy's son, was involved in a DUI crash on Thursday night, the Thursday before the biggest game of the year, and that he put a five-year-old girl in the hospital, and she hadn't woken up. She since has woken up. I, I don't have any updates on her health, because to be frank with you, Taylor, I had to unsubscribe from the GoFundMe updates because they were too depressing. Yeah. It, it has been a just a colossally horrible last couple of weeks um but in any case that was that was the news going into saturday and super bowl sunday you know will andy coach obviously he did coach you know will Britt reed travel with the team what's what's going to happen you know is this girl going to make it through why isn't he in jail etc so on and so forth um 
if it becomes pertinent, um, Britt Reed's no longer with the Chiefs, so it probably won't. If it becomes pertinent, um, you know, I can always opine on the legal situation further down the road if and when he's charged. He probably will be charged, guys, with DUIs. I'll just tell you, uh, in Missouri, you know, they're probably waiting for his blood alcohol results to come back. Those have to go to the state lab. They have to test those, determine his level of intoxication. The reason they wait to do those before they file charges is because if you go ahead and charge him and you don't have the blood alcohol evidence and they want to try and speed through and, you know, do a preliminary hearing, try the case, et cetera, and you don't have that. It's a big problem. It's very important evidence in a DUI. Anyway, I digress. This was a, a horrible situation. Um, I, I don't want to cast blame on anybody in the Chiefs organization because we don't really know what the circumstances were that led up to this, other than it's obviously gro grossly irresponsible to drink and drive. Don't do it. It's stupid. It's 2021. Summon an Uber to your house. Get a friend to drive you. Just don't do it. It's just, it's it's not worth it. It's a, It's a dumb thing to do. So that was kind of, that kind of set the mood for what what was happening that weekend going into Super Bowl Sunday. And then we had the game. And I think I said uh, after the Bills game when we were kind of discussing our very first preview of the Super Bowl, you know, given the injury to Mitchell Schwartz, given the injury to Eric Fisher, given the defensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that there was like a 10% chance the Chiefs go into this game and just can't do anything because they don't have an offensive line and they can't block. And that's pretty much what happened. We got the 10% game where the Chiefs couldn't block anybody. The uh, offense and defense both made a lot of mistakes. And they just, they got, they got out physical. They, they did not get a lot of help from the refs and they made a lot of mistakes and they got the shit beat out of them. I want to make something perfectly clear. If this game between the Bucks and the Chiefs were hypothetically played 10 times. The Chiefs absolutely win between five to seven of those games. I think even, that's right. Even with the offensive line situation, even with everything that went into the weekend, that this was as outlier of an outlier any given Sunday type of performance as the Chiefs are possibly capable of. This was their perfect storm of bad events. And, yeah. and it's not something that should detract, although it will, from the accomplishments of the 2020 Chiefs. And it shouldn't, you know, fans that think that the Chiefs absolutely, you know, they got their asses kicked because they were the worst team and because they didn't prepare and because of all these different things. Like, I just want my position to be clear that this was a fluke. And it, sure, it was an ass kicking, but it was something that I just don't believe it was destined to happen or anything like that. I think that it was just the worst day ever. And like you said, there were so many, you know, the offense blew a bunch of plays, not just the line, but the skill position players and the, co the coaching, the play calling, all that stuff. Nothing was great on offense. And then obviously the defense let some stuff get by them and they, they let Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette beat them. And the, it, it was just, it was just a bad, bad, bad game. And yeah, that they, happens, but it hadn't happened in three years, so it felt horrible. Yeah, they played the the worst game that they were capable of playing at the worst possible time, and yep. the worst possible I, time in franchise history. Yeah, i want to I want to unpack I want to unpack the defensive performance a little bit because. I don't want to get in too deep into takes from this game. We're just discussing this because we have to, because it was the <laughs> Super Bowl and our team played in it and they lost. So we have to talk about it. It brings me no joy, but I do want to talk a little bit about the defensive performance, you know, as we're kind of um, just talking through this uh, to get closure from this whole situation and what happened. I think the defense played pretty well in the first half. I think the defense I don't think the refs cost the Chiefs the game because obviously the Chiefs got their asses beat and they got beat pretty bad. But I do think your point about playing this game 10 times is a good one because I do think that on the defensive side of the ball in particular, I think they 
I think they were put in a bad situation by the way that the game was officiated in the first half. And I think they, I don't want to say that they quit, although I wouldn't strongly argue against it if somebody had that take. Or maybe got desperate. I think they got very, very frustrated with Mm -hmm. the way that the game was being officiated. And I think that, I think that it took them out of the game. I mean, they rage quit. They rage quit. They did. I mean, they really did. And, and I don't want to blame the referees because that's what 49ers fans do or, you know, Uh Raiders fans, Broncos fans, whatever it is. I mean, Uh it's, it's a sore loser move. I don't want to do it, but, but (laughs) there were some, there were some very questionable calls in this game. Yep. And, you know, it kind of evened out a little bit in the second half, but it almost didn't matter because I think the chiefs played tentative in the second half. Like once these calls started to go against them, you know, honey badger had an interception towards the end of the first half that was called back because of a questionable holding call on Trevarius Ward on the other side of the field, you know, and he was visibly frustrated by that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the pass rush was visibly frustrated by some, things that were happening that <laughs> may have been holds that weren't getting called, you know, whatever it is. And, and listen, listen, I'm not going to say that the chiefs defense isn't pretty chippy and pretty grabby. And especially the DBs on the chiefs, they're very grabby. They've always been grabby. Like they're not the most physically talented guys. And so they grab, they hold, uh, but you kind of have to evaluate, the way a game is officiated in the context of how other games are officiated. hundred percent. And this was the point that a lot of national observers who don't, who did not have an, a vested interest in the outcome of this game, like you and I did that made this same observation, which was that, you know, this game was called differently than most NFL games that we saw in the year 2020. And especially most of the playoff games that we saw called in the year 2020, you know, two weeks before this game, we saw the same Chiefs defensive backs go against a very talented Buffalo Bills team and play what what could only be described as tight physical coverage. <laughs> yeah. Then they did the exact same thing against Tom Brady's Buccaneers, and there were flags just all over the fucking field. Well, and historically, like the Super Bowl is not the time to throw a bunch of flags. It's, it's, it's kind of like the Chiefs almost designed their defense to where when the games are more important, the defense is going to get away with more stuff and play better. Like that's, you know, it's not a bad strategy. If you think about how NFL referees in general try to swallow their whistle and let players play in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl and stuff like that, it's not a bad strategy to have a, a defense that kind of relies a lot on on contact because then when the games matter – they're, they're going to play well, but, yes. but again, like you said, the refs didn't cost the chiefs the game, but they certainly cost them the big M word momentum. And they <laughs> certainly changed the direction of the game. Now, could the chiefs have still made something happen? And if they had a good line, could they still have what well, blah, 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 whatever. It didn't happen. The chiefs lost. They lost the game. Mahomes is now down seven to one Super Bowls to Tom Brady and 0 and two against him in the playoffs. And all of our worst case scenarios that we talked about going into this game, honestly, a last second loss is, is going to end up in the history books the same way. And the ass kicking was just a bad taste in our mouths right now. But when we still look back on it in 20 years, it's still going to be a loss in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. And we'll never be able to get over it. We'll never, ever, ever, even if, the chiefs go on and win 10 more super bowls in our lifetimes this one sucked a lot but you know it it was it was horrible it was a, an awful feeling i will say i am not grateful that the chiefs got their asses kicked but i will say i'm glad that the final score wasn't that close because if it was i would still be thinking about what could have happened differently in the game in a a way that I do not find myself doing because the final score was so lopsided. Now we obviously did that a little bit with the way that the game was officiated in the first half. Obviously there are a number of plays the chiefs could 
would absolutely want to have back, uh, especially on the receiving end, uh, Patrick Mahomes and his heroic efforts to, you know, win this game single-handedly and the Chiefs, Chiefs receivers just not having any of it and not being interested in winning another and the line. ring at all and the line as well. But, you know, if this game had, had been decided by a field goal, I, I would be sick right now. I mean, even two weeks later, I, I would be thinking about it every day. Yeah. It, it would be very similar to the way the 2014 World Series ended with the Royals yeah. Good with, point. with Alex Gordon being held at third base on what could have been potentially an inside the park home run. Should they have sent him home? Could he have scored the tying run in the bottom of the ninth inning in game seven of the world series? We'll never know because they held him at third base. And then the final out came and the Royals lost the world series. Now, fortunately they won the world series. The next Jesus, year, how which, depressing is this episode going to get, <laughs> which makes, which makes the whole thing. Okay. And the chiefs won the super bowl last year, by the way. So, we can't complain too much, but that was a horrible feeling. And I know you're right there with me because we obviously were both huge Royals fans back in 2014, you know, pre us getting really super into football instead of baseball. Uh, that was something that really haunted us. And I went to every for, playoff game. Yeah. For the entire off season. Um, and really right up until the final out in 2015, but this game, fortunately, we didn't have to worry about that because this was the baseball equivalent of getting swept, you know, four to one and every game you're losing by five or six runs, right? Like it, it wasn't that close. The final score was gross. It was disgusting. Aside from the heroic Patrick Mahomes sideways throw that I still get some pleasure out of watching, even though it was an incompletion because Daryl couldn't catch the ball. I have no reason to ever go back and watch this game again. I, I'm just trying not to think about it. I've accepted that the Chiefs lost, and we're moving on. Let's move on. Let's do it. So we're having a baby shower. Taylor, you suggested this. Uh, have you ever been to a baby shower? No, nah, because I'm pretty sure it's a girls-only type of deal. Hmm, okay, well, that, that seems a little bit sexist, but... You, I mean, traditionally right? girls only. I, you know, okay. it's like bachelorette know. parties are traditionally girl only. Doesn't mean doesn't <laughs> sure. mean dudes can't crash them every now and then, but I don't think we're typically invited to baby showers. I think the man who is, has fathered the baby usually is at the baby shower, but since neither uh, you nor I have fathered any children <laughs> that we are that aware we know of, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that we're aware of, uh, it makes sense that, that we would not have been invited to any baby showers. I personally have not been to a baby shower but we have a new princess of chief's kingdom patrick and Brittany had their child a couple of days ago <laughs> sterling mallory Mahomes. i i it's sky sky is her middle name i'm i'm just always gonna drop mallory as the baby's middle name because i i can't get it out of my head and eventually that's just going to replace sky in my brain as the baby's correct name but uh, I don't know. I, I think one of the things maybe that you do at baby showers is like you, you play games. Maybe that's like seems yeah. like a thing maybe you could do. So um, we could like, uh, I don't know how to turn this into a game, but we could riff. We can riff. We're, we're good at riffing. <laughs> um, maybe the baby's next, the next Mahomes baby. I doubt this will be the last Mahomes baby. I'm sure there will be several more Mahomes babies on the way. Um, so we can maybe riff about the the name of the next Mahomes baby. Um, friend of the it. podcast, Clay Wendler, pointed out that the Mahomes animals – uh, their two pit bulls, Steel and Silver, are named for metals. Sure. So Steel, Silver, okay. Well, their baby, Sterling, is named for a metal type. So right. he speculates that the next baby name will be Stainless. <laughs> stainless. It could, it could be Stainless Mahomes. could be Carbon Mahomes, which is pretty <laughs> badass. Or Hanzo. Now, Hanzo <laughs> was not a type of metal that I was familiar with or, or metal the type. Steel in, in like swords, right? Oh, Hanzo yeah, Steel so, yeah. from like Kill Bill and stuff. Yeah, of course Clay would know that because he's yeah. a big nerd. Uh, Thanks a lot, Clay. We appreciate that. Um, I actually like, I like rot, <laughs> rot, rot or cast iron. Uh, Mahomes, cast iron Mahomes. I actually is like a pretty badass name. Yes. Or rot, rot iron Mahomes would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, those are both metal types, so it would fit with it would fit with the theme. Um, I also like alloy, alloy, mm. alloy Mahomes, maybe for a girl. A l l o y. Alloy is a pretty name. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You know. I, uh, the, the boy names are all awesome. I, I kept like Zinc Mahomes. That one's dope. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Cobalt Mahomes, Brass Mahomes, 
Tungsten Mahomes. Like these Dang, are all, those are all bangers. Good. Those yeah, are those absolutely are... like that person would rule everything the way that Patrick does. Yeah. And my sleeper for a girl name is Nickel, like Nicole. Nickel Mahomes. Huh. So if he ends up being girl dad times two, keep an eye out for Nickel. We we yeah, need to probably pronounce Nicole. Yeah, sure. We need to find somewhere where we can bet this. Um, I'm always really interested in celebrity naming conventions, so we have to we have to get a sample size of more than one to see if there's going to be like a, a dedicated naming yeah. convention. Here. Especially well, I think since, the sample size is three with the two dogs. Well, that's true. That's true. They do have the two dogs. They now have the one human baby. But <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how they go with it because, for instance, George Foreman – named all of his girls different names yeah but then he named each of his five sons george foreman so he has uh george jr there's george the third who goes by monk by the way i don't know if you knew this uh george the fourth who goes by big wheel even (laughs) classicer which is pretty badass george the fifth who goes by red and george the sixth who goes by little joey which (laughs) all right you know i mean uh so it could be that that we're going to get a patrick mahomes three and maybe even a patrick mahomes four or five just in this line you never know incredible right i mean it could be um, and of course, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the St. Brown wide receivers. Oh, of course. So, and one of them is in the draft this year. He could be a future chief. So exactly. Osiris St. Brown is in the draft. But their three, the three brothers are have the best names of anybody I've ever heard of. So they are Equinemius, Tristan, Emotep, J. St. Brown, who is on the Packers currently. There is uh Osiris, Adrian, Amon Ra, J. St. Brown, and Amon Ra, Julian, Heru, J. St. Brown. So their father, whose name sounds nothing like any of that, his their father's John Brown. And sure, John he Brown. was famously like they people have been asking him his whole life why he named his sons that. And he was like, Well, I just never felt remembered. I always felt like when I said my name was John Brown, I go into a pile of a thousand other guys that they've met named John Brown. So he just wanted his sons to have memorable names, and boy, do they. They do. And, uh, you know, Roger Clemens, for instance, uh, all of his uh, all of his sons, at least, and maybe all of his kids, they all start with the letter K because he has a lot of strikeouts and that's the abbreviation for strikeout. I don't know. That one's kind of lame. I like the uh, I like the George Foreman route. I certainly love the John Brown (laughs) route. Like if he were to just break with the convention and start naming his kids after Egyptian gods, I think that would be incredibly cool. I mean, Amon Ra Mahomes would be badass. Osiris Mahomes, Equinemius Saint, uh, Imhotep Mahomes. Uh, Those are all cool. I mean, those uh, those Egyptians had some some pretty badass names. They did. Um, I don't know what else do you do at a baby shower. This is this is our celebration of of Sterling Mahomes. So I thought about this and, and baby showers are really for expecting mothers. They are not for welcoming. The baby doesn't exist usually yet in. It shows how much we know about baby showers. Well, yeah, exactly. So they usually do stuff like gender reveal. They can do that at the baby shower. Um, Mm -hmm. They gamble on the eventual height and weight of the baby. So in the gambling sense, which you and I know, well, um, let's guess what she'll end up doing for a living. Because that's something we can at least predict in the future. So, you know, I mean, both of them, both Brittany and Patrick are known for their physical prowess. And uh, so something along those lines is probably the the betting favorite. But I'm going to go a little outside the box and I'm going to guess she's going to take on their leadership role or their leadership skills. And she's going to have some sort of prominent leadership role as like the owner of a business or um, like a government representative of some kind, something where she gets to, you know, have a lot of say in the world because she's already going to be set up. Her dad's already half a billionaire. So like they're, they're not going to want for very much. So she's going to be able to have a lot of free time and probably start up several businesses in her life. Cause that's what rich people do. So um, sure, yeah, I'm going to go with like CEO. Yeah, they take their wealth and they create more wealth. The money goes around in a circle. <laughs> uh, she, I like both of those options. Uh, certainly, CEO that that's something that makes sense. Uh, an elected official, you know, maybe the first female president. I don't know. I'm going to go with something that combines those sort of executive leadership qualities plus physical prowess. I'm going to ah, go with professional Ashley. wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good one. Yes, uh, she will be a professional wrestler. She'll probably go by Demaniac. Right now, I'm going to go with astronaut. I like I that. Think that uh, I think that despite the fact that he's a professional athlete, 
and professional athletes are not necessarily known for their academic success. It's clear that uh, both Patrick and and Brittany, to some extent as well, although we don't we don't get a, a public representation of this as much. It sort of remains in the shadows. But my understanding is she sort of has run Patrick's business empire uh, for much of his career. Um, but Patrick is very smart, and I think that uh, you know if their child Sterling decides to dedicate herself to, uh, you know, academia and science instead of athletics, I think she could be very high achieving. But I think obviously with the the genetics, you know, this is somebody that with the right genetic mutation could be capable of bending steel. I don't know how that would be useful in the context of an astronaut, but I did want to throw that reference out there. You know, we got to get back into our reference humor style. Uh, I'm going to go with astronaut. I think, um, I think she's going to be in outer space. Maybe she'll be the first one to colonize Mars. I don't know, but something cool like that something monumental and world-changing because that's what the Mahomes family does.